0: I'm Jeremy Allaire and welcome to The Money Movement, a show where we explore the issues and ideas in this brave new world of digital currency and blockchains. Um, It's been a momentous couple of weeks in the US political environment. Uh, We now see President-elect Biden and uh, uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris beginning to chart a course for a new uh, White House administration. Uh, We're seeing minor shifts uh, so far in the House and the Senate. And most importantly, um, we expect to see major new appointments announced for critical roles in this uh, new anticipated uh, White House administration. The implications for this uh, for crypto are somewhat unknown. Um, the last four years has seen an evolving uh, political scene with respect to uh, crypto regulation, uh, with respect to uh, active uh, interest from uh, congressional uh, committees. Uh, we've certainly seen significant increase in the education of policymakers on this issue and, and, and a lot of, of, of marginal changes, but not any kind of sweeping Uh, policies or initiatives around crypto. Uh, What does the Biden administration uh, portend for crypto broadly for digital dollar stable coins uh, for innovation in the blockchain sector for for so many different dimensions. Uh, This is a a major question. Uh, And ultimately, uh, I believe um, blockchain infrastructure The innovation of crypto assets and cryptocurrencies and and uh, stable coins and the like, you know, represent one of the most important infrastructure opportunities for the United States uh, in decades, uh, akin to the fundamental innovation of the first wave of the commercial Internet. Will the Biden administration embrace it uh, and uh, see forward a path where the United States can be. A champion and an innovator in this space, or will uh, they seek to rein it in? These are many of the questions that uh, a lot of uh, individuals and companies and and others in the industry are asking. I'm very excited to dive in and explore these more today. I'm really excited to be joined by uh, prior Money Movement guests, John Collins, who is the Co-founder and a partner at FS Vector, a leading advisory firm in the uh, fintech, crypto, blockchain, and and other otherwise uh, uh, a deep history as well on the Hill, and Kristen Smith, who is the executive director of the Blockchain Association, one of the most important uh, industry groups, uh, and and very very close to. Uh, uh, what's going on in DC both john and Kristen very very pleased to have you here this week Jeremy, Excited to be so
1: here out.
0: so um, what what does this mean president-elect Biden, uh, assuming that uh, we don't see uh, a, a miraculous situation happen for uh, for for uh, president uh, trump but uh, assuming we're moving forward, I'm out. <laughs> that's what that's what uh, that's what various uh, spokespeople still say um but um i i think you know looking at uh, president elect biden he's forming a transition team uh yesterday uh there was uh, the democrat led house financial services committee hearings with key financial regulators in the united states crypto was in the discussion in in different ways and we're getting maybe a small taste of how the b- both uh, incumbent Republicans and Democrats are asking questions around these topics. So I, I think some interesting indicators. But um, why don't we just start, Kristen? Um, yeah. what are the, you know, what are the big questions that that you're asking that your constituents are asking about what this new administration might mean for uh, crypto and blockchain?
1: Yeah, I think everyone's trying to game out how this might impact the development of crypto policy over the next four years and what it means for uh, organizations operating in the crypto ecosystem. I mean, I think the one thing that we do know is that it is is going to be different, um, but we don't quite know yet how different it's going to be, and whether it's going to be better than the current situation or sort of worse than the current situation. Because I there's a, a phrase that was coined during the Reagan administration that personnel is policy, and we we've seen this at the regulatory agencies that matter for the crypto space right now that if you have a regulator who's sitting in the seat who doesn't care for this this set of issues you don't see anything happen right that's just stalled in fact maybe like you know there are negative things that happen but when we have somebody in one of those seats who's motivated and interested and excited about it then we do see things happen so I think the the big thing to be watching over the next couple of weeks um, and months is who are the people who are going to fill some of these key positions that matter for the industry because the policies that are going to be uh, coming out of those agencies are really going to be a reflection of, of the priorities of, of the people in those seats.
0: Yeah. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, we have a number of people who are, whose names are being thrown around for a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of different things. Yes. Uh, you know, Gary Gensler, who has spent the last couple of years at MIT uh, a teaching fellow with the digital currency uh, initiative there and, um, uh, has you know published and spoken uh, a lot on this topic uh, appears to be advising President Elect Biden on who to appoint in these financial regulatory uh, positions. Um, John, what what are you uh, what are you seeing and hearing just given that background?
2: Well, I mean, I think we missed one big point, which is uh, we elected a Delawarean president. Uh, so, as the <laughs> Delawarean,
0: very excited to have one of our own, my uh, first uh my first uh testimony to uh to congress uh was courtesy of you mr collins and oh. uh and <laughs> your and you're i think very very dear and wonderful senator in delaware uh many years ago and um i, I think uh D- delaware is a is a is also a state which uh has blockchain laws uh for blockchain based yes. corporations and so um i Hopefully that will translate somehow.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, I I agree mostly, I think, with what what Kristen said. And, and, you know, obviously Gary Gensler makes a lot of sense as an appointment for all kinds of reasons outside of blockchain and crypto. But, you know, this is someone who's done some really serious thinking and been briefed and, and spoken with. Some very serious people in the the cryptocurrency and blockchain industry. So, and he is, uh, you know, uh, pretty positive. I mean, I think he has a lot of views on the securities and capital formation side of it. But um, he's probably coming in at a position higher and
0: more informed than yeah. we've been before, for sure. Yeah. So Gary was a guest at an all-hands at Circle years ago, and um, we vigorously debated in front of my company uh, securities laws and, uh, <laughs> and, and various types of crypto assets. And um, I think uh, at the time, um, you know, we, we, we were advocating that we need new classification. We need to define digital assets from a policy perspective rather than interpret currency, commodity, and securities law. We need to actually come forward and define a policy for digital assets and how the country is going to embrace that, um, yeah, this gets to the bigger question. Like, you know, there's there's regulators, right? And who's appointed, and, and how constructive are they with guidance or or, or other rulemaking, as it were? But um, what about the policy side? I mean, um, uh, d- is there any chance that we're going to see uh, a Congress that wants to take up this as a policy matter and and look at um, you know, blockchain technology and, and and digital assets, as in the same way that the Congress in 1996 looked at the internet.
1: I, I think there's a growing interest in Congress. I'm not sure we're yet to the point where we're going to see something go all the way through the process and become signed into law um, in the next in the next Congress. The so Congress being a two-year period, um, but we have heard that you know, the, the Democrats still control the House. We've heard um, from our conversations with committee staff over there that this is an issue that will be on the chairwoman's, uh, chairwoman's agenda for the House Financial Services Committee next year. Um, we don't know what form that's gonna come in, but they're, they're, I think the fact that it would make her agenda is a, is a positive step forward. Uh, In the Senate, I I think we still have uh, the Republicans in in control over there, um, which I think is actually a really good thing for crypto. Um, We have been working through the Blockchain Association uh, to try to get some positive crypto legislation introduced in the Senate over the past couple of years. And the Senate, you know, sort of by its nature is you know, they say it's the, the saucer that cools the hot cup of coffee, the, the cup being the House and the saucer being the Senate. Uh, it, it takes the Senate a little bit longer time to get interested in some of these issues. So I think that this, this year ahead, we'll actually see some positive legislation introduced in the Senate, which is important because it could tee up for an eventual negotiation between the House and the Senate, which I think would lead to actually really good policy but maybe even more importantly, it sends signals to the regulatory agencies as to what Congress is thinking about. And if there are policies that regulators already have the authority to do, it gives them the political cover to move forward with those policies. So um, I think we will definitely see legislative activity, um, but I'm not yet confident that that we'd be able to cram through something like the Telecom Act of 1996. that really laid the, fr- the the foundation for our kind of modern communication system that we have today.
0: I guess just building on that, and and you know, you know, it, it's it's hard not to look at the current situation in the country. Uh, just a a enormous public health crisis. Uh, frankly, a, a still a very severe economic uh, set of challenges, which you know presumably will, will get worse before they get better. That's the word from Jerome Powell, um, and uh, you know a. a an apparent uh, president-elect who who has a, uh, a, a an ambitious agenda to try and rebuild things wants to you know this this vision of let's invest in infrastructure let's let some form of green new deal we're gonna we're gonna galvanize the public sector the private sector we're gonna we're gonna try and you know um, build our way out of uh, the the economic uh, situation that that many parts of the country are in I guess the um, The the question there is, is could our digital infrastructure, um, whether it be the infrastructure that we use to secure uh, and have uh, tamper-proof voting, for example, on blockchain infrastructure, could it be that we think about the infrastructure of of the payment system so that the way in which funds can be uh, distributed, uh, new, basic income models who knows what may emerge out of the current situation and whether that could be an impetus for bipartisan hopefully uh, efforts to embrace a new, a new infrastructure um because fundamentally you know crypto and blockchain is a new infrastructure it's essentially you know lay, laying that down and i and i wonder um, you know Will the uh, the ambition to build uh, our way out of some of the challenges that we have align with um, the potential for more sweeping policy like the 1996 Telecommunications Act? John, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, Jeremy. And I think, you know, when, when Democrats, when the Biden administration comes in in January, you know, they're going to be focused on getting the economy from... Uh, stopping bleeding, uh, right? I mean, that's that's the first priority. They've got other priorities, climate and finance and, and ESG and, and that sort of thing. But what COVID, and we talked about this, I think a bit last time, what COVID have re- revealed among many other things is how uh, poor payments work in, in this country, and at least how much better they could work. Uh, and there's been a significant amount of interest from Congress on that piece. It dovetails with a huge focus of uh, what this administration is going to focus on, which is financial inclusion and access, which is also a, a huge focus for uh, Chairwoman Waters. And I, you know, stable coins, CBDCs, blockchain, and that that plays a, a huge role in, in those conversations. So, you know, do I think we're going to have some significant legislation or action as it relates to capital formation or securities laws in this administration? Probably not. But do I think there's going to be higher level attention and perhaps some action? That supports uh, the crypto and blockchain industry when it comes to payments modernization. Like absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I would um, building on what John says for your average policymaker, you know, sort of a rank and file member of Congress or, or maybe a regulator who's not one of the key agencies for this space. Uh, payments is really the only application of uh, you know blockchain networks that that. That they understand right and um, we've, we've tried the discussion about web 3.0 and then some of the other applications that I think are really going to change the way that we do so many things online and those are really really hard to get into their minds um, one because they don't understand um, you know we've gone in to talk about Orchid and which is a cool project and you know it's like oh it's a decentralized VPN first they don't know what decentralization is and they don't even know what a vpn is and so it's it's becomes a really really deep conversation but when it's like hey it's actually um a dollar that moves around faster and has all these programmable features and then they're like okay like i can i can get that that's a step that policymakers can make and when we try to bring in some of these other use cases it's just it's it's a step too far so i I agree with john i think that payments is going to be the biggest focus at least from the administration side you know in the years ahead
0: so it, it it raises an interesting question and and you know we we see see this play out in the committee hearings yesterday right where uh where where uh uh you know we saw a discussion around digital dollars and there's the the sort of you know uh you know comptroller brian brooks uh you know very clearly you know pointing out that private sector innovation in the space is happening at a very fast clip Obviously, I'm a first party to that and can speak to that as well. But um, it's happening in a very fast clip. Digital dollars are here, is the point. <laughs> like the innovation's here. There's you know, the, the the crypto industry driving this. There's more mainstream financial in- industry participants getting involved in this. Um, you know, obviously big technology companies getting involved in this. So this is here. This is here and now. And and there's you know. I think one one view, which is, well, maybe uh, maybe a new administration is is going to say, well, you know, we, genie's out of the bottle, we don't, we don't like the genie, and we're going to try and put the genie back in the bottle, and we're just going to box this in, and we're going to make it tough. Um, I think that's the the pessimistic view uh, of it. I think the optimistic view is that this is a moment in time, and, and I think, uh, you know, if you think about uh, President-elect Biden, where... There's an opportunity to, you know, have very significant public sector-private sector collaboration, um, and to envision public sector-private sector collaboration. I mean, that is, in 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 addressing the climate crisis, that is the essence of uh, what's being talked about on a massive scale, trillion-dollar scale, right? But I think in, in the financial system, and in these areas, that certainly presents itself. And I think the optimistic view might be, um, you know, that there is an opportunity to. You know, say we want to we want to allow open innovation to flourish here. We want to allow private sector innovation to flourish here. We're not just going to answer to the big banks and and do what the big banks are saying, which is to you know tighten the screws on this because guess what? It eats into their profit margins and it eats into uh, how they they currently conduct their own business. So I think there's a there is a a key element here, which is about building a more um, you know, open, inclusive, efficient, uh, you know, financial system. Um, I, I had an opportunity to meet with Senator Warren years ago, and this was, you know, before stable coins. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I remember her being very excited about the, the vision of crypto, uh, you know, restructuring the economics of the payment system. And, and frankly, uh, you know, giving meaningful competition to big banks who monopolize these payment systems at a, at an enormous cost to society, and so I, I wonder whether there's there is a um, an opportunity here with this public-private sector collaboration, and f- from the the kind of uh, you know left center, an opportunity to also uh, look at this as a way to um, you know bring more fairness uh, to to access, uh, and and not do that by you know the government building something big, but by embracing what's happening out there.
2: Yeah, no, and and all jokes aside about about Delaware. I mean, Joe Biden was a senator from Delaware from 1972 until what 2008, and uh, he during that time Delaware became the credit card capital of the world, right? Which he gets a lot of criticism for his support and in, in interest in that industry. But that was fintech at at the time, right? So I mean, this is a this is a guy who at least historically has seen financial innovation in in different ways. Uh, so. know i and and he very much is going to govern from the center he always has and he's definitely going to have to with a republican um senate and on the congressional side you know just really quickly do i think we're going to move some massive crypto bill of some sort no but you know senator toomey is going to be chair likely of the senate banking committee gave an interview this week already said that crypto is very much on their agenda they're going to hold hearings the House FinTech Task Force, I think, is expected to come out with their report over the next few weeks. And crypto is definitely on that on the agenda there. And it's setting the table for what they're going to focus on next year. I think there's going to be a lot deeper dives by staff and committees into all of these issues that hopefully will set the table to do some significant legislation at some point.
0: Kristen?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I... Um, um, yeah, no, I think I agree with John. I'm not sure I have anything to add there, other than you know the the you know when I look at Biden himself. I just I don't know if he actually understands it. I think you know going back to what right. we're saying before, um, and what our challenge is going to be is when we go and we talk to policymakers on financial inclusion, they sort of look at us like, "Are you sure that this is the tool?" And what what we need to see more of are actual like real life examples where people are being brought into the system using using the technology. And um, you know, I think we might see that in a, in a few areas, um, maybe with like cash app or something like that. but um, what we we need to see that evolve a little bit further, and then I think that we can get the type of, of support we need. But you know, as we've looking back over the past two years, when we, engage with Republican offices and Democrat offices, they, um, the messaging that appeals to them is very different. And the financial inclusion angle has been our single best discussion point that, that has allowed us to build relationships um, with, with Democratic offices on the Hill. And so I think when we look to you know, a Democratic administration, then we will be able to um, you know hopefully use some of that same messaging. Yeah. But we still are it's still received with a little bit of skepticism. So yeah. we need to figure out some of the better um, use cases, yeah um, or actual like applications that people are using that that are bringing them into into yeah. the system.
0: I mean, it I mean, I think this is where, you know, as you were saying, Kristen, you know, the sort of proofs in the pudding, right? People need to see that you can actually deliver something that is superior from a financial inclusion perspective. Like we're we're seeing literally, you know, every month we're seeing more, um, you know, products in other parts of the world that are connecting to things like USDC, that are connecting to foreign currencies like peso or Brazilian real or, uh, or you know, in, in Indonesia or India or other places. And, you know, the, the reality is if you have USDC, um, you know you can you can transmit it and convert it into those currencies in minutes, and there's not a five percent fee, there's not a three percent fee, there's not a one percent fee. It's actually almost zero, and and it's fast, and that's a financial inclusion message. That's you know embracing the relationship with uh, between the United States and the rest of the world economy, and embracing immigration and the fact that we have a diaspora of people that that are sending funds home, and I know that is part of the financial inclusion uh, you know, story that resonates as well. And so I, I think in, in many ways, it's really incumbent on the industry to deliver some real results there. I know that was one of the key promises of Libra. Uh, and, and I think is something that, uh, they, the, the Libra association uh, and Facebook have tried to continue to emphasize to to bring policymakers over.
2: Yeah. And, and Jeremy, I think, you know, the letter yesterday that the, uh, um, congressional Democrats, or at least a few of them from financial services sent to the comptroller, had, had more to do, less to do with crypto, although crypto was mentioned heavily, I think more to do just with their criticisms of, of some of the things that, that the comptroller's done. But, you know, they very clearly were, to me, pretty centered on crypto and actually made note that they think there are some advantages and they, I forget what the language was, but basically was urging the industry to work more with minority-owned depository institutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think that is a really good idea, and and I, you know I'm sure that's happening maybe to some extent. Um, but there needs to be a really authentic effort happening because I do mm-hmm. think there's skepticism, not only that that maybe the story isn't being told well enough, but that it's you know be, to be honest, like a bunch of white guys in Silicon Valley talking about how they think poor people live. Um, yeah. and I think there needs to be like a real authentic, uh, you know, uh, effort to work with minority owned depository institutions or to really get on the ground and figure out what are the problems that we need to solve. And, um, mm-hmm. I think that will, uh, that will benefit
0: the industry for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, um, you yeah, know, the, the DeFi space, the, the, the sort of birth of credit markets that happen on blockchains. Uh, the theoretical uh, possibility of things like, um, you know, uh, identity and reputation, um, but but be interacting with credit markets, like all of that sounds really powerful and interesting, and you're seeing steps towards that. The bottom line is like, is that just going to reinforce an existing set of implicit biases? This is this discussion around AI and, and, and credit decisioning, um, or you know, is this an opportunity to actually see some real breakthroughs in terms of access, like real access? Can an individual who doesn't have a credit score uh, access credit? Uh, can a small business that is, you know, likewise, you know, trying to access credit um, do that more effectively because of blockchain-based payments and banking or or not? Like, again, proof's in the pudding. Um, I want to turn a little bit to the to the international dimension here, which I which I think is um, is also really important. I mean, we touched on it when thinking about cross border payments, and the, to the, to the degree that that's a an important issue um, in improving access in the financial system. But more of the um, the the you know the the evolution of our of our uh, trading relationships, um, the acceleration apparent acceleration uh, of Digital currency efforts by by the eurozone. Christine Lagarde saying this week, they're looking at as soon as two years to have a digital euro. China in beta launching. You know, certainly in 2021. Um, You know, the two biggest trade uh, areas for the United States marching ahead. Does the you know. Clearly, a, a you know a Biden administration probably more forward-leaning in terms of globalization and and global integration and global trade relationships, at least in a different form and substance than we've seen in the last four years. Do all of these? How do these impact the digital currency outlook?
1: I mean, I think there is um, a level of competition that that we'll see emerge between you know different international jurisdictions to become leaders in this space and. We haven't totally embraced that as a as a priority for the government yet in the U.S. I don't think um, there's you know still a lot of uncertainty um, you know when when it, whether it comes to just you know um, uh, regular traditional cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin um, or a, a you know sort of a U.S. Uh, digital dollar CBDC type dollar. Um, but I think the advantage the U.S. has is there are. A lot of innovators and entrepreneurs um you know like yourself and others that are out there doing this and thinking through how how can we have innovation and and that is that's like the american way right is to have people go out and experiment with ideas and not have government get in the way of that um and i think what i haven't fully Played out in my mind is yeah, how does this work as a public private partnership? Um, is this something that will lead to a, an actual digital dollar down the road that is sort of issued by the Fed that, you know, either the institutions use or individuals use? I don't know answers to that, but I do know that unlike, you know, sort of China or even, you know, uh, European and other jurisdictions, it's not always a like a top down type of a, a way we have it's really just this yeah. this like innovation that happens that drives these things so um, I think a lot of that is happening sort of under the radar right now and that as we begin to see you know some of these partnerships and projects take off yeah. um, I think we'll become more aware and um, and and the US will realize that they need to catch up
0: I think that's right John thoughts on 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 this kind of the c- competitive international dimension? Yeah, no, I, I, you know, totally agree
2: with with Christian. I think you know there are many vectors uh, that that are kind of coming together to uh, to help this. We talked about payments and COVID. I think that the international competition piece is is certainly um, there too. And you know, I think that is something that you know, at least in this last Congress, has been you know a big concern for Senator Cotton, for example. Um, but. You know and so everyone will have their different reasons uh what i hope happens is you know we have another COVID package at some point um and there
0: were already proposals and package the- come with the vaccine or or two we'll see maybe a pair, maybe a pair there's a vaccine. yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. um but no, that we
2: have another one and there were digital dollar proposals made in the last one they didn't go anywhere and they were primarily ideological Mm-hmm. But it got people talking about implementation and thinking about implementation. Um, right. So that is driving a lot, a lot too. You know, especially when they're learning more about what China is doing, especially and and Europe talking about it more in a substantive way. And the thing is, and you know this better than anybody, Jeremy. There is real stuff happening. Like the Fed is doing stuff. I don't know if Congress has has learned about it as much as I think they will in this next Congress and you know talking about public private sector uh, collaboration a number of people that are literally you know building the the tech stack and you know researching this tech stack used to work in industry so i mean it's it's there's there's a lot of good stories to tell and my hope is that there's further attention to implementation that congress invests more in it like serious r&d and pushes this public private collaboration and that uh, you know the Fed is is more open about what they're doing because I think that's important.
0: Yeah, we're obviously um, you know w- we expect the private sector innovation in the space not to slow down. I think one of the things that we're you know tuned in to and really part of the discussion here today is you know is there a risk of a uh, you know of actually a, an administration or a Congress or or regula- regulators who are actually hostile to. Uh, this space. Um, What is the risk that um, the bank lobby uh, also is hostile to this space and just tries to kind of put this to uh, a screeching halt? Um, What do you see as the risks there, Kristen?
1: I mean, I I think those are risks. I think, um, you know, where we, if we look at our current administration, we do have some bright spots with um, acting controller Brian Brooks and Hester Purse at the SEC. But we we have a, a lot of people working against our industry right now in the government. Um, now, granted, we only have a couple months to go. Um, you know, I we're watching closely to make sure nothing bad happens between you know now and January twentieth. But but that is always something we're keeping an eye out uh, eye out for because we could see action from Treasury or statements from the administration that try to shut this down. There there is a, a feeling among. Um, in, a, in a sort of a position among some very senior uh, you know, political appointees that you know, this, any sort of um, uh, blockchain based network that either you know, has self-hosted wallets or that is built on open infrastructure is bad. I mean, these are huge like misconceptions that we, right. we need to work against. And so um, you know, the hope is that whoever comes in in the Biden administration doesn't share these views and are more willing to have um, these conversations because there there's um, I mean the equivalent that I can think of right now is that like you know if, if back in the early 90s everybody said we can't have internets we can only have intranets <laughs> yeah like <totally>. that that <laughs> cuts off all of this
0: yeah I know the, the, so, the- Public that, that's infrastructure. A real feeling that yeah. people have. Right. Op- real. Open public networks. I think there's a there's an education gap here, right? This is a huge yeah. huge part of this. It's like the giant education gap. It's it's hard for people to imagine a financial system that's built on open infrastructure. It just is sort of count. You know, it's almost counterintuitive to people, and so that that's this this bridge that yeah. Needs to cross.
1: And- And I, you know, since John has been doing this work much longer than I have, but, you know, in the two plus years of the blockchain associations existence, I feel like we've been pretty fortunate in that we've been able to do some education work, which is very slow, by the way, it takes a lot, a lot of time to get through to individual policymakers, but we've been very fortunate in that we really haven't had enemies, we've been able to throw our ideas out there and Mm -hmm. Um, you know nobody's really pushing pushing back but you know we're starting to see um, we're starting to see a shift um, particularly like with the Bank Policy Institute they put up a couple blog posts recently that I think are really aimed going after after Kraken going after because of their Wyoming um, you know bank that they have or going after um, uh, you know Comptroller Brooks for trying to um make payments charter or you know bank charters accessible to um you know payments companies and and so we're starting to see that they realize "Hmm, there's a whole kind of wave of innovations coming into this space that we might not control and um you know it hasn't come to a head yet but we're i'm I'm starting to see a shift um yeah
0: It's, it's it's interesting i guess like um this this kind of concept of the private sector is continuing to march forward. Regulators oftentimes, you know, they, they respond to things when they go badly. But there's also a situation where the private sector is sort of saying, Hey, look, we need clarity so that like what we're building, which is a new technical possibility, that we, we we've got clarity that we can do this. And I think one of the interesting things to observe is I think a lot of times we talk about like the crypto and the blockchain industry, that's sort of the the the, the innovation space, but clearly. You know, we've got you know JP Morgan making major investments in blockchain infrastructure and and looking to stand up different products. They have a particular view on that. You've got Goldman Sachs making very clear with uh, with a new uh, a new set of leadership focused on digital assets, making many significant public statements about public blockchains, about stable coins, about you know the the concept of Various assets, existing assets, becoming uh, crypto assets. Uh, that's you know that, that's non-trivial when you're, you're hearing that from you know uh, J.P. Morgan and, and Goldman Sachs. You've got you know the biggest money manager, I think, one of the biggest money managers in the world, Fidelity, um, aggressively moving in this space. You're hearing rumblings from some of the biggest ETF companies, some of the biggest money market funds, others. Who uh, you know you know we believe are are focused on tokenization, this idea of using digital assets on public chains to uh, create forms of digital securities. I mean, this is stuff that's happening now. This isn't a bunch of um, you know San Francisco startups. Sorry to use the the metaphor, but it's 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 you know I think significant players who who want to use this and move forward with it. And I wonder if some of that. Um, is actually gonna force more engagement from the SEC, for example, Um, uh, and not just, you know, what has been a lot of reaction, but actually, you know, let's work this out. Let's figure out how this this market infrastructure is gonna work for our economy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you you know, look, and obviously we live this uh, every day, so we know the companies and, um, but, you know, for the average person doesn't follow the cryptocurrency industry, even a company like Circle or Coinbase, you know, they've heard of, but don't know a lot about. Now, when PayPal, allows for the purchase of Bitcoin or yeah. Square, I mean, or JP Morgan, you know, that is, that is a, that is a totally different thing. And that authenticates the industry in a major way. Um, and I think it requires policymakers, if they did not feel compelled to learn more about what's going on and why these institutions are interested in this, they feel much more uh, the need to do that. So I think that's, that's, it's, it's a net positive uh, for sure, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I do think to get any of these policies done, the coalition of uh, people interested has to grow. Um, yeah. You know, and I, you've heard me say this before, but the the little crypto lobby in D.C. is is little. <laughs> I mean, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny force compared to other industries, and I think we're, you know, all doing the best we can with the little amount of resources that are being. Um, you know, devoted to this. Um, but yeah, the the larger, established, um, highly regulated industries have, you know, teams of people on the ground that can mobilize, that can be thinking about these things, that can mm-hmm. use all of the tools available to influence policy change. And, um, you know, crypto alone isn't going to be able to do this. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's going to have to be getting, you know, the right partners um, in, with mm-hmm. some of these other larger established um, um, players in order to move the ball forward.
0: Mm-hmm. I buy that. Um, I, another, I think, overlay on this is is the national security lens. So, you know, we, we've had, um, we've had, you know, I, I think, in particular, the intersection of national security and, and financial crimes enforcement and you know, sort of the the FATF agenda, the the U.S. Treasury agenda. Uh, on that, um, obviously, you know, there are just there are laws, and and the, and there's enforcement of those laws, but there's also interpretive guidance, and we've seen more of that out of Treasury uh, on a number of fronts, but but in particular in this area, and we've seen international work in this area, um, but it also it it it. it Gets to you know fundamental issues that that exist, which I, where I think there is not there's not a clear either side of the aisle view on some of this stuff. For example, encryption policy uh, is one of these topics where maybe you you could say uh, on the conservative side it's more uh, aggressive anti encryption or you know law enforcement backdoors, uh, but it's it's certainly bipartisan sometimes in those issues as well. And I think when we're talking about crypto. And we're talking about, um, you know, blockchains. Uh, there's a complex interplay between, you know, privacy, cybersecurity, the resilience of of, of data itself. Uh, you know, people want resilient, secure data. Well, blockchains, guess what? They do that better than anything else. Uh, but at the same time, they they give greater levels of privacy, um, and they, you know, cut against the grain of existing. Um, Frameworks for how, say, financial crimes enforcement happens. Complicated set of issues overlay into national security. Does a Biden administration manage from a different kind of uh, center on that, or or, or do they, or, or, or do we do we see policy shifts in any of those areas potentially that could impact crypto?
1: I worry about this a lot. Um, I I think that. Um, I don't think we're going to see much of a change in terms of the philosophy of law enforcement, right? Um, I mean, law enforcement has a very specific mission and that's to get the bad guys and they want all of the information they can to get the bad guys. Um, But the problem is the we're on this trend right now, where there's this expansion of reporting requirements that are on the table. Uh, FinCEN right now has a notice of proposed rulemaking that, you know, would change the reporting thresholds that for crypto, um, you know, it's particularly bad, because it's, it's hard to tell the the location. So it's sort of like, by default, um, you know, is going to be a, a significant burden for, for crypto companies. Um, so I think that um, that is kind of a a trend for more information is out there. I think the problem is, more information doesn't always actually lead to better results, and there is there is a huge cost to individual privacy when they when these policies are in place. So I, I continue to see, as we look to the years ahead, efforts to um, expand reporting requirements um, and and you know potentially even limits to sort of self hosted wallets, which. Could be an entire hour discussion itself, but I I I worry that you know regardless of which which party is in charge of the White House that that we are sort of on one pathway to to slowly erode any any privacy that an individual has. So, that, so that's something we're thinking a lot about at yeah. Blockchain Association.
2: A major
0: issue, obviously. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I agree with Kristen. I don't think the you know the national security apparatus, the intelligence community, law enforcement. You know, it's it's not going to change, right? I mean, the, the personnel is not really going to change significantly. You know, the people on the ground that are that are doing this stuff, and I think they're going to have the same take that this administration has and, and the one before, which is general skepticism uh, about the possible threats that that this technology can have for terrorist financing and money laundering and and a bunch of other things. Um, you know, the travel rule guidance from FinCEN is is a very good example of, of um, you know, lowering thresholds, which is not only of concern to the crypto community, but to the entire financial services, you know, payment system. Um, and we're, you know, we'll see how that ends up, but, you know, a good argument for why going from, what is it, 3,000, 2,500
1: to 250? Yeah,
2: 3,000 to 250. Three, yeah, 3, to 250. Um, you know, the FATF guidance uh, called for 1,000. Mm-hmm. So, you know, In the in the US and every international body in the world that's focused on this stuff has made abundantly clear time and time again that international consistency is of utmost importance, not even separate from running a company where it makes it a lot easier. uh, But it works better for the countries who actually are trying to implement this policy because they don't have regulatory arbitrage and leakage and all kinds of other stuff. So um, I think a focus on international, international consistency is is Going to be really, really, really important, and you know, the U.S. drives a lot of this at these mm-hmm. at these various bodies. And I think with this administration, against nothing against the current administration, but I think there's definitely going to be a more uh, a larger focus on global relations, perhaps than 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 we've mm-hmm. seen. Um, and I think you know, there's going to be opportunities there.
0: Yeah. I think yeah, it's, it it raises an interesting thing. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, um, thinking about this this very specific issue, this travel rule issue, or, or whatever you want to call it. The, the, let's just call it the the intense, more intensive record keeping obligations, etc. Uh, you know, this interplay between you know privacy, uh, you know, uh, the the, the f- financial inclusion. Uh, openness, innovation, and national security, like all these interplay, they're all trade-offs against each other. And, you know, one of the things that's attractive about the blockchain space is that as, a, as an underlying infrastructure, crypto uh, creates the possibility to achieve um, fundamental improvements in, in how those trade-offs work, right? Right now, things like uh, the record keeping rules they're like a blunt instrument that just gets applied. And, you know, you just say, you got to keep all this information. You got to send all this information. It's this huge undertaking. And you know what? Who cares if it creates the risk of more data breaches or or it jeopardizes personal privacy in, in different ways? We just got to do it. We got to do it. It's just this huge thing. But blockchain actually, you know, identity mechanisms on the blockchain, the ability to do things like Uh, 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 crypto-based identity attestations where you don't actually have to reveal all these records, but you can prove, in fact, that someone's been KYC'd. You know, these are breakthroughs. And what I was saying to this person was, you know, there's policy and there's guidance and there's regulation, and then there's just straight up innovation. And so from my perspective, if the industry is concerned about this, the industry needs to build better mousetraps. They need to demonstrate we can do this better we can protect security we can provide the, the the we can manage against the 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 concerns that law enforcement has we can do it way better than the current system and so we're going to go do that we're going to build that we're going to demonstrate that and then yeah we'll adapt the rules because they need to be because the technology has just blew past it in a better way so to me it's a it's a call to action for for uh, for innovation i i think w- one lesson out of this industry perhaps is if you think that policymakers are going to somehow, you know, uh, you know, you know, rule make this, uh, this innovation into existence, (laughs) that is not going to be the case. So, well, uh, very, uh, very interesting times ahead. Um, I'm sure uh, we'll continue this conversation and as Uh, you know, as appointments emerge, as agendas uh, reach uh, legislative, uh, you know, committees and others, I'll be excited to have you guys back and talk about uh, where things are headed. Love it. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, guys. Thank you,
1: Jeremy. Good to see you, Don.
0: Good to see you. So uh, a lot of exciting things uh, happening in the space of crypto and policy. President-elect Biden, Uh, incrementally making new appointments we're going to be paying very close attention here and to uh, listening very closely to what's happening on the ground we'll be uh, tracking that closely with uh, folks like john and Kristen, and uh you know we'll we'll make that a, a key topic as 2021 comes around uh with that we're going to conclude today so i hope everyone can stay well stay informed and stay safe